The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and that's a, a, a weekly newsletter and a monthly letter as well that uh, really tries to highlight some of the opportunities in the junior resource space. And I believe, even though uh, it's hard to believe this right now, that we are looking at some of the greatest opportunities that I have seen in the last 10 years or 20 years even in the junior resource sector. And I say that having been a veteran of these wars for many, many decades, that it is, uh, as, a, as the saying goes, uh, it is darkest before the dawn. And I think that we have seen a major decline in the gold shares, uh, in the silver shares, and in the resource stocks in general. Uh, and uh, unless you think the world is fine and dandy, everything is being fixed by the policymakers, then you may want to take a look at what real money is, honest money, asset-based money, that is gold and silver, and why uh, those of us who believe in free markets and that currently what we have is anything but free markets, that you would believe that with nature ultimately winning out over fraudulent policy measures, uh, that ultimately you will do very well with gold and silver. It may not be an easy trip. It hasn't been an easy trip. It's been very difficult over the last 18 months, two years, through the junior resource sector after 10 straight years of, inc- of, of, of a rising gold market. Uh, it's only normal that we're having a setback, but uh, I believe the fundamentals remain firmly in place for a bull market and that the best is yet to come in terms of the rise in the gold price. This doesn't necessarily mean the best is yet to come in terms of society, in terms of our market. To the contrary, and we're not cheering for tough times so that the gold market, so we can make a lot of money in gold, not at all. We are in gold, we are in silver because we believe the policymakers have messed things up so badly uh, that that is really one of the few places to hide, one of the few places where you can retain your wealth. But speaking of gold mining companies, I do want to talk a little bit today about um, 
some of our sponsors, it turns out that all but one of our sponsors are gold, uh, either gold mining companies or gold exploration companies. And the only one that isn't is Uranium Energy Corp. But I should also say that each and every one of the companies that are sponsors right now happen to be uh, happen to be recommendations in my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. But uh, there have been some very good developments that have taken place uh, over the last week or so with some of our sponsors, and I just want to bring some of those to your attention, uh, if if I could. Um, Timmons Gold, for example, uh, has come out with some very nice, uh, very nice intersections on its property and the San Francisco property down in Mexico. Timmons is doing very nicely, earning a nice profit. Has the potential to grow its company uh, over around 100, I think 120,000 ounces this year of gold production, uh, with uh, good profit margins even at current gold prices where they are now, and uh, the expansion potential internally. This is really what I'm looking for: companies that can grow organically companies that don't have to go out and raise capital in these horrible markets uh, to try to put drill holes down to, to stay alive and to expand their uh, resource. So companies that can do the exploration, grow organically is really what we're looking at. And Timmons is certainly one of those, one of our sponsors, Timmons Gold. Another company that I think uh, is is about, could be about ready to see its share price rise very dramatically is Golden Arrow Resources selling at about 20 cents, market cap of under $10 million. But the good news here this past week is the company has come out with uh, with some recovery um, results, and they're showing up to 98.7% recovery on the silver from the Chinchalas property in Mexico. Next week, or over the next two weeks, we expect to have uh, some news with respect to the first resource calculation. And as I've uh, discussed on this show and in my newsletter, Golden Arrow's Chinchalas property looks like it could be a major new silver discovery and uh, one that I think uh, is is very, very attractive with the stock selling at 20 cents, only 41.8 million shares outstanding, very low market cap, a big project potentially coming down the road. And in two weeks, we're going to be talking to the company's CEO as well uh, on this show. He'll, he'll be uh, updating us on the resource by that time, I expect, and on the plans to continue to expand uh, that uh, what I think could very well be a world-class silver uh, discovery the Chinchalas project in Mexico. Also, uh, Paramount Gold recently came out with some very nice, um, a very nice drill intercept of 50 meters, grading 1.32 grams of gold on a San Miguel property in Mexico. This is a company, Paramount Gold, selling at a dollar 49 today. It was at uh, $2.14 at the start a couple of months ago when we started this season, um, and it's now at a dollar 49. But this is a company that between two properties has a gold equivalent resource of just around uh, or just under 10 million ounces of gold. So uh, that includes a lot of silver, a lot of gold, two properties, but lots of growth prospects on both of those properties. Uh, deep pockets, easy, uh, a way of financing themselves and keeping alive during this difficult time. So Paramount Gold, PZG, PZG on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, I think is one also that you want to keep your eyes on. Miranda Gold, another sponsor of ours, uh, is selling at 17 cents. Just recently did a deal with Agneagle Eagle in Colombia in a joint venture. Uh, again, a company that doesn't spend much money, uses other people's money to grow its project. 
to to explore, I should say, and uh, and in that way avoid the dilution that is so uh, so problematic for most junior mining companies. And here's a real bargain, I think, although it's highly speculative. There's no way around it. Uh, Bravada Gold is selling at a mere three cents today, but the main thing there is that they have a very reputable producing company that has an arrangement on the Wind Mountain property uh, to buy that out at a price that would that would make uh you know I, I don't remember exactly what the numbers are but it would make this at least a 10 bagger from the current levels uh so uh if that project goes forward and there's i think there's a high probability it will in addition bravada has other properties besides wind mountain and then there's sand gold uh which is uh, has been struggling admittedly but its price is down at 18 and a half cents i think this is a company that has a real prospect of a turnaround Admittedly, they have issued a lot of shares uh, while they've had difficulty getting their project, the um, uh, the Rice Lake Gold Mine, into production. But the pro- but the things the company is doing now, I think, to try to lower its cost, uh, make a more efficient mining operation, expecting to produce between seventy five thousand and eighty thousand ounces of gold this year at a cash cost between eight hundred and nine hundred dollars. I think this company is a real turnaround possibility. Uh, at eighteen and a half cents, and it's one that I have purchased. By the way, let me tell you that each of the companies that I have talked about, each of the sponsors uh, on my show, I have shares. I own shares in these companies. I bought them with my own money. They are recommendations in my newsletter as well, and uh, they and I'm proud to say they are uh, sponsors of my show. Those are the gold companies. Uranium Energy Corp uh, is the only non-gold mining company that's on my list. Uranium uh, Energy was just uh, it's it's one of the new well the newest and I think the only new gold uh, only new uranium producer in the United States in recent years and. Um, uh, CEO Amir Adnani, who's highly acclaimed for his ability to uh, to to make things happen uh, with uranium energy, is also the president of Brazil Resources, another company that's on our list, uh, that's on my list in my newsletter. Uh, but uranium energy selling at a dollar forty-seven, one hundred twenty-five million dollar market cap. Lots of growth prospects with its satellite. Uh, ISL projects in Texas and should become a, a significant uranium producer in the next number of years is now producing and doing very well. And also, again, uh, a company that can grow organically and doesn't have to go back to the market and raise capital and dilute shareholders' interest. Um, Okay, those are those are the uh, the companies, the sponsors. I just wanted to pass a word or two along to you on those on those companies um, because I do I do believe I do feel very highly about all those companies. As I say, they are recommendations in my letter. I do own them. Would just like to say something about a um, um, uh, an article I just read in the Globe and Mail in Canada talking about record inside buying for junior resource stocks. Well, I think it's very interesting that insiders are buying gold and silver and other resource stocks uh, with both hands at a time when most everybody else wants to run away from them or have run away from them. The question in my mind is whether or not these are companies that are buying their shares because it's the only way they can fund them uh, or whether they really truly believe that we're nearing a turnaround uh, in the gold and silver mining space. Well, that is uh, certainly something that we want to talk to our next guest, uh, David Gerwitz, about to get his sense of what Charles Nanner uh, research is saying about the gold and silver mining markets. Are we near a turnaround? Are we going to have to wait a long time? Uh, and if we get a turnaround, is it going to be anything significant? Are we going to see the new highs pretty soon? These are some of the questions we want to ask uh, David Gerwitz after we go to a, a break. In, a, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be going to our first commercial 
break. Otherwise, uh, after David comes on the show, we're going to be talking to Bill Murphy of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee today. And I've titled today's show, Where is Our Gold and Where Can We Have It? Um, and so, uh, or when can we have it, I should say. Uh, so we're going to talk to Bill Murphy. You know, those of you may know Bill Murphy very well from the Gold Antitrust Action Committee. Bill's been on this show before. We've also had um, Chris Powell on this show before. And um, uh, so the theories of gold manipulation of the markets is very well known, I think, probably to a lot of your listeners, to our listeners here. But I do want to ask Bill again to come to uh, reiterate his views on that. Uh, we're going to then talk in the second hour today. We're going to be uh, we're we're going to also be talking once again uh, to um, to Todd Wood. We had Todd on with us last week uh, to talk about his novel, Currency, a very interesting novel. I've finished reading all the way through that novel. It's a fascinating story about Captain Kidd's gold and how it got into the hands of Alexander Hamilton. And then Aaron Burr, uh, when he dueled with Alexander Hamilton, killed Hamilton, was able to access some of the documents, uh, bearer instruments, in effect, that allowed Aaron Burr's estate to ultimately pass on the gold. Uh, to uh, to an, uh, an inheritor of this state uh, in in um, future years. Well, it's very interesting because uh, the author uh, that we're going to be talking to, Todd Wood, is uh, uh, was or is I should say a um, uh, a distant relative of Aaron Burr. So it's uh, I think very interesting also to note that the main character in that novel, uh, Connor, uh, was a um, uh, uh, was also. Um, a distant relative of Aaron Burr. Fascinating story, and it ties in, I think, with the role that gold plays in international finance in the global marketplace. So we're going to be talking to uh, to Mr. Wood about that as well. As I mentioned, David Gerwitz will be with us, uh, Bill Murphy. And then uh, towards the end of the show today, we're going to also be talking once again to Ellen Brown. She'll be back to address some of the issues that we were not able uh, to have enough time to get to last week, namely the issue of why you may in fact be at risk uh, for the same kind of risk that the citizens of Cyprus found themselves at risk for, why in fact the global powers that be are really considering taking away your demand deposit accounts, stealing them, I believe, I think is nothing less than theft at the hands of the government, uh, in order to avoid taxpayer bailouts. Uh, this is something that Ellen, I think, has done a lot of research and has shown a great deal of uh, of insight into this, and so I, it's very important. I think that you listen to it. Ellen will also talk about a banking, uh, public banking conference. She is very much an advocate of public banking, getting banking in the hands of the citizens or the ownership of the sharehold, the shares of, of the citizens uh, uh, in the banking industry. And and there is the Bank of North Dakota that she talks about, one that I've taken a look at. It's done very well over the years uh, without paying people outrageous uh, profits. Uh, of course, they don't engage in derivatives and all the fancy stuff that the investment banks had been doing before Glass-Steagall broke down. Those uh, sort of high-risk, high-return gambling investment banking uh, activities when Glass-Steagall broke down were pushed into the commercial banks and then, lo and behold, uh, you know, while all the the investment banks ran off with huge profits when they went down, as they inevitably would, taking on all that risk, guess what? They let us, the taxpayers, pay for it. Well, it is unjust. I believe it's terribly unjust. Uh, Ellen believes it's terribly unjust. A whole lot of people 
uh, including Jeffrey Sachs, who just wrote, uh, I saw a scathing uh, interview, uh, Jeffrey Sachs talking about the injustices of our current banking system. Ellen Brown addresses those issues, so I think you'll want to stick around and listen to Ellen Brown at about 4.30 New York time. Well, we do have to go to break now, and when we come back, we're going to be with David Gerwitz. David Gerwitz, a very accomplished um, concert pianist, athlete, uh, scholar, and uh, a very bright guy who's working with another really bright guy uh, named Charles Nanner. And we're going to get what uh, David's view on the markets when we come back after the break. Don't go away. We'll be right back with David Gerwitz. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Windfall profits happen frequently in gold exploration stocks, but the risk of losses are also common. Miranda Gold enhances prospects of shareholder gains by combining the intellectual capital of geologists, mine finders Ken Cunningham and Joe Herbert with other people's hard dollars in search for elephant-sized gold deposits in politically safe places like Nevada and Columbia. That keeps shareholder dilution to a minimum, so when discoveries are made, major gains are possible. For more, go to MirandaGold.com. Nevada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Oh, it's really a pleasure to have with me once again David Gerwitz. Uh, David, I, I expect is going to be a, a more or less a frequent uh, guest on this show. I really have learned to uh, enjoy him and his uh, his knowledge and his contacts, uh, not the least of which is Charles Nanner, Charles Nanner Research. And I uh, was privileged to meet Charles when he came to New York recently. He lives in Amsterdam, but he was here in New York. Uh, a, a brilliant uh, a, a brilliant market analyst who uh, worked some 15 years for Goldman Sachs, and now he's making his uh, he's making his intelligence and his uh, services available to a wide 
wider public. So we're really pleased uh, to welcome David. David, uh, you know, certainly has had a very, a very accomplished uh, background as well, both as an athlete, uh, as a pianist. He's got a, a uh, he's got an MBA uh, and has had a lot of experience in the business world as well. So it's really good to have David. I won't go through. Uh, David's background all the time because uh, if he becomes a regular member, then um, you know we won't have to do that. But in any event, welcome, David. It's really good to have you with me again. Thank you, Jay. It's always a pleasure, really. Now, now you're up in Toronto today. I know yeah. that uh, Charles Nanner and Associates has a lot of clients in uh, in Canada. Is that right? Correct. Although this particular trip, I I played yesterday um, with a group of basically homeless slash. Getting their act together, young young men um, oh. involved with a group called Sketch. People could you know Google that S K E T C H, and uh-huh. there's an organization here through some of our clients that I've met that uh, is planning to do a concert in the fall, and I'm going to do for them. Oh. And they can see that Wonderful. at davidgerwitz.com. As you know, I, I'm, I like to do benefit concerts because uh, when you can help people, it's the best thing you possibly do. And I came up to Toronto, number one, for media, number two, well, I should, not in order, in, in, I always have clients here, we have media, and this mm-hmm. particular event was really fascinating because I was able to meet a lot of the kids and play with them, and this organization has done wonders through art and music to reach out to a lot of them and help build them lives, and I'm going tonight after we speak actually to a, a whole uh, fundraiser, and I'm going to be speaking, and so I appreciate you bringing up all the other non-financial stuff about us. Oh, that's really that's really wonderful to know you're doing that. Uh, yeah. So, as I mentioned, David, you are a concert pianist, and you do these things from time to time. There's a website I think people can actually listen to some of your music, yeah, right? DavidGurwitz.com. I have a, a, some of each song from the first CD on, and a lot of the traders listen. A lot of mothers put their kids to sleep. A lot of people listen. It's actually. The music is used in um, hospitals, actually, to reduce drugs given to kids before surgery and a lot of oh. doctors. So I'm grateful that I can share the gift. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for that, Charles. Really, uh, really is important. It's not all. Life isn't only about making money. In fact, uh, once you have enough. Um, then you have enough. But that's hard for some people to realize when they've had enough, I suppose. And we see all kinds of things that we're going to talk to Ellen Brown about later in today's show about how people can't seem to get enough and they, they don't realize that sometimes they're hurting other people in the process. But let's, let's go to, I'd like to ask you just a little bit more, you know, about Charles Nanner Research uh, Center. And just for those that might not have heard you before, if you could just talk to us briefly about what his approach is to uh, analyzing markets. Right. So basically, Charles, is, well, basically, he's a, he's a medical doctor. And while in medical school, um, as I've, I think I've mentioned once or twice, he discovered a pattern to pretty much everything that's kind of hard emotionally to accept, that if you can re- find repeating tops in any data series, or bottoms for that far, so mm-hmm. gold, Silver, IBM, the Euro, the Aussie, the, the bonds, it doesn't matter. If you have enough tops in any data series, let's say IBM topped every two weeks, every seven weeks, every 15 weeks, every 29 weeks, forget about price, just the actual mm-hmm. top, like a series of EKGs superimposed, when all of them together are topping, right? Mm-hmm. The two-week cycle from the Greek word circle, the five-week cycle, for each particular category, like weekly Ending prices on IBM is what we look at, or mm-hmm. daily prices on IBM. When they're all topping, 
we don't care what the news is. We don't care what anybody says. We assume it's a top. Because mm-hmm. of all those EKGs in effect are topping at the same time or bottoming. And we find the news follows after the cycle. So if there's a cycle top, the news will drive with that particular asset class down. And if there's a cycle bottom, the news will be interpreted to be going up. And we don't really care what the news talks about because we think it's misleading. Yeah, that's very interesting. So that's In other what words, Charles came up with. And so I was very fortunate enough, as you mentioned, I'm a musician, I'm also an athlete from the old days, trained by Red Auerbach, who mm-hmm. was one of the greatest talent scouts ever. And I'm a talent scout at the end of the day. We were, we were talking off, off air about you know, learning from smart people, which means you have to be humble to recognize they may know more than you. So when I met Charles, I said, this guy, I even said to him, you remind me of Larry Bird, and he said to me, who's that? Because he's Dutch. He didn't really know who he was. I said, you're the best at what you do, and people don't know yet, and hopefully I'll be able to let the world know. And I was, you know, blessed to be able to get him in the Wall Street Journal and Barron, CNBC. He was at Goldman. And so obviously he was, and then so we're one of the biggest research firms in the world doing what people call technical analysis, even though we feel this is completely fundamental. This is how the world works, not what people call fundamental. So that's something I wanted to stress to you. We don't consider this technical. We just put numbers on things, but, but it seems to repeat in every data series, stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, grains, job reports. So it must be pretty fundamental, but we put a number on it so people saw it's technical. Yeah, and it's interesting to note that you, you were saying that um, uh, that you sort of discover the facts after, you know, the reasons afterwards, right? right. So the markets are, in its collective wisdom, is uh, is picking tops and bottoms, and later you figure it out. Well, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Net gas. I'm up in Canada now, so they mm-hmm. know a little about gold, which we'll talk about in a second. Silver, sure. net gas, crude. Currency, right? So, net gas. Charles called when it was six bucks a year, two two and a half years ago. It's going to a buck seventy, and everybody uh-huh. thought he was crazy. So we have a few Canadian banks as clients, and I knew that they had made loans to gas producers out west in Canada, and when it was like mm-hmm. five fifty, then net gas went to five bucks, four seventy five, and just like houses can mortgages can go underwater, so can loans to net gas companies. The, the, the bank sitting there that we made a loan when the Asset was close to six bucks. Now it's four bucks. Force them to repay. So what happens? They call the net gas companies. You have to start selling more stuff forward in order to have money to pay us. Drives mm-hmm. the price further down, and it really mm-hmm. got to about buck ninety. Now, by the way, he thinks that's going to happen again from net gas soon. We're going to short net gas from the mid fours, and we think it'll go back to buck seventy. Just as a so, what happened first? Was it the bank forcing the net gas producers to sell? Or mm-hmm. was it the cycle top? Mm-hmm. We think it was the cycle top. And that's true in everything. So let's take gold and silver, right? Yes. Which is your two let's favorite do. topics, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it is the most important issue that we talk about right. on the show, and no you, doubt about it. So, so what's Charles stuff. saying about Now, Charles right. got people out of gold at 1900. Right. How did he know to do that? Uh, cycles. Same thing. Purely cycle. We, same game. It was, you know, gold... Go back gold. You know, we had a seven-year run in gold. So everyone said it must be coming up all the time. But, Jay, you remember, I met you years ago at the gold conference. Gold was flat for a long time. Right? Oh, was, tell me about it. It was depressing almost. 
being in the gold business. And then you had a seven-year run, Now we've had like a downturn. Everybody thinks it's never going up again. You know, you forget these things. Anyway, he took everyone out of 1900, which was amazing, and he's kept them out. Even now, he, we just had this little bounce a little while ago, and you wrote to me, he, he, and he sent out the other day, we're still going back down. Like, it looks like it's going to go back on a sell signal. And we're not ready to go in. It should be soon. So, and longer term, we see it up back to 2200, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the good news for people who are sitting and crying in it and having lost all the money they did the last year. We do see it coming back. It's just not going to be next week, but it's, it's soon, next week, two weeks, months. You, we have a better chance for a, a good low when he wants to, to go in because cycles clearly ha- are in the bottoming process, but they haven't bottomed yet. So yeah, silver, I, we I, tried to go long just the other day, and we got stopped out because he, he, he saw, hey, look, yeah, I don't like what I see. He changed his mind. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get, it looks like, another hit in silver, but longer term, he thinks silver's good. Yeah, he said uh, we want to sell our SLV calls, and right. I know uh, just uh, directly with respect to gold, um, reading off his last missive, he said it is it is still a bit early for a safe long position in gold or silver, and he said that we could uh, see one more sell-off into June. Correct. So in other words, and so here's my big question for you, and I don't know if you have an uh, opinion if Charles has come up with this. When I met with Charles briefly in New York, I asked him, I said, Charles, when I look at the charts, it looks to me like there's no really, really, really strong support until you get to a little bit above a thousand. Do you think we could go there? And he says, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it close enough yet. So you're uh, asking a level question, not a direction question. Right, right. Because right. we separate the two. There's two. We try and have them both line up. That would be, that's always the ideal. When right. the level target, which is a whole other algorithm, uh-huh. coincides with the cycle topping or bottoming, then you got a great trade. So mm-hmm. the answer is I can't answer that now and say he won't go to 1,100. I can't yeah. say that now, but I don't think he, that's what he, if you would ask me, I don't think that's what he's thinking. I don't what think he's it, seeing right now. Yeah, yeah. because okay. he looks at probabilities. He sees a, possi- a possibility of, of a certain level, and then he weighs other things, and he can't show everything, not by hiding things. There's so much to show before he writes on any particular Thing, daily cycles, weekly cycles, monthly cycles, MACD, oscillator, candlesticks, regression lines, Elliott wave, for every category. So the yeah, he uses he uses an incredible amount of tool, yeah. a lot of tools lot in addition tools. to his in addition to his cycles yeah. and his logarithms. You yeah. know, we're we've only got a minute left, but I'd like to. Good. You know, we're going to be talking more, David. Good. I hope if you'll come back with me yeah, in the future. I want to have you back on a regular basis. But here's the thing: I'd like to point out to my listeners: right. there is a website where people can go in which you are discussing at Bloomberg. You've discussed. Charles Nanner's uh, techniques. Right. Uh, what is that website? So, CharlesNanner.com. Anyone listening, write to the site and say they heard me and they get a free look for a month or so at the research which covers stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, grains, economic indicators three times a week and on Sunday we send mm-hmm. charts. And then afterwards we, you know, we speak to everybody. When Charles and I started the business, it was, we had to speak to everybody. It got mm-hmm. a lot bigger than we thought, but we still speak to everybody. Not yeah. him, me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Or a few other people that help. So we look forward to you writing in and taking a look at the research. Well, I think it would uh, behoove people to do that. It certainly would be. Uh, I, I think people must do that. They, uh, well, Charles Nanner has been so successful. Yeah, you've uh, had some good I trades think, based on the research. 
if you're a responsible person, uh, those that are listening to me out there, listening to us, uh, charlesnanner.com it is, right? Did right. you say? Right. Charles and then N-E-N-N-E-R.com. Right. And, and also Google David Gerwitz because David's doing some wonderful things helping other human beings who are down and, down and out and helping people that have not been as privileged as some of the rest of us and doing it not for, for pay, but doing it because he enjoys helping other people. So David, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show with us again today and we'll look forward to talking to you in the near future once again. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate your work very much. Thank you very much. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to be talking to Bill Murphy of the Gold Antitrust Action Committee to get his take on the gold price and the silver price and other things that are going on. Bill uh, should have some very interesting things to say, so don't go away. We'll be right back with Bill Murphy. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine, operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. Paramount Gold is a U.S.-based exploration company with multi-million ounce advanced-stage gold and silver projects in the mining-friendly jurisdictions of Nevada and northern Mexico, backed by a strategic investor and a strong balance sheet. An experienced management team has completed preliminary economic assessments on both projects, showing robust economics and immense potential for increasing ounces and mine life. For more information, go to ParamountGold.com or follow on Twitter, PZG News. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have back with me again at this mic, Bill Murphy. Uh, I've known Bill, and I consider him a friend for the past 10 years or so when I first met him. Oh, it's been longer than that, actually, now at, uh, in Montreal when I first met up with Bill and Frank uh, Veneroso uh, at a conference in Montreal. Uh, Bill graduated from the School of Hotel Administration at Cornell University in 1968, and he played professional football uh, for a couple of years in the American Football League, and then he went on to work at various various mainstream Wall Street brokerage firms and did very well as a trader in the market, in the commodities market, I believe, primarily. Um, but now he's uh, really ahead of this Internet site called Le Metropole Café, 
that I think uh, would certainly be worth uh, you checking out. There's a just a tremendous amount of information uh, that is put in that website every day. A lot of uh, a lot of really interesting things that you're not going to hear from the mainstream. And I like to say that I think you know, you get truth not from the mainstream. The mainstream has a, a reason to try to uh, to control our thoughts and the way we think about things. They want to keep things the way they are. By definition, the mainstream is the status quo. And so uh, sites like La Metropole Cafe, Bill Murphy and uh, his his colleague Chris Powell have done a wonderful job uh, at La Metropole Cafe and the Gold Antitrust Action Committee provides, that's GATA, G-A-T-A, uh, provides a, a great amount of free information as well uh, on a daily basis. If you want to keep up with what's going on in the world, in the world of finance and politics to a degree, that uh, both of those places are really worth uh, checking out. Well, welcome, Bill. It's really good to have you back with me again. Great to be here, Jay. Thanks. Really good to have you, and I'm glad we could squeeze you in uh, to this show before you're getting on a plane to go to Toronto. We're just talking to David Gerwitz, who's in Toronto. It seems like everybody's heading to Toronto, I guess, now that the weather's getting a bit warmer. But what are you, uh, what are you doing in Toronto, Bill? Oh, I just got a surprise birthday party to go to, so I hope he's not listening oh, here. So we can't. And then we, I'm going to see my friends at Sprott and a bunch of other people that uh, I've known over the years that have supported Goddess, so it should be a good time. It will. I'm sure it will be a good time. By the time. way, and I tried to I let the BNN people uh, know I was coming. About three or four people, never a phone call back. So no surprise there. Well, I guess uh, Bill Murphy, uh, you have been on BNN in the past. You were yeah. on. Uh, you were on in the past uh, with. It seems to me, uh, you. Well, there was uh, that was a long time ago though that I remember seeing you on there, and you were on there also with. Um, uh, with one of um, one of Sprott's guys at the time. Yeah, John Embry. We think we debated yeah. Dennis Gartman, and I was up there a couple of times. But it, it's just interesting that uh, uh, you know we become uh, persona non grata, especially since one of their stars up there, uh, uh, Jim O'Connell, died of uh, cancer. And uh, anyway, it's just uh, just like uh, CNBC. They just don't want to hear about it. There's no he said, she said. It's just what they say, and just don't want to hear. Uh, other views. Yeah. Well, Jim O'Connell was certainly, uh, you know, an open-minded journalist. There's no doubt about that. And I was fortunate to meet him once before his passing at a, at a GATA uh, dinner up in, uh, I don't remember if it was in Vancouver or Toronto at one time in the past. But uh, in any event, um, let's let's just talk a little bit about, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that most of the people out there listening to this show are familiar with GATA. Uh, but... Um, you know, opening lines, just, just read this opening missive today. It was yesterday's uh, missive because you put something out every day, don't you, Bill? Yeah, after the markets close, uh, Monday through Friday. Okay. This was a quote from yesterday. I think I think you wrote this. It says, this new week started like so many days over the past. Gold was rallying until the gold cartel's traders went to work in London, even on a holiday, and implemented gold oil. Olay Plan B. The price had rallied to around 1479 when down she went at the usual time. That uh, pressure was continued in, uh, into and through the COMEX opening. Its low was 1464. Well, Bill, your statement suggests that there is a systematic decline in the gold price in London and New York uh, at, at a certain time every day. Is that what you're suggesting? Is well, there a certain day, sort of predict- certain things they do every day that you can see? Uh, what I call Plan A is around 3 a.m. New York time. 
I don't know, three out of five days a week, gold starts going down then. I mean, it's, it's no market ever trades like this. And there's a million other things that happen that they're just one pattern after another. They, they attack usually on Fed speak day. Uh, they did it, uh, this week. They attack usually on U.S. jobs report. They did it this week. Uh, silver acts, when a silver lot ties on silver acts relative to gold the day before, uh, gold attacked the next day for the third time in three days. They had another waterfall attack this morning when COMEX opened. I mean, gold yeah. went down $20 for no reason. No other markets were doing anything. It's yeah. just, they are, I call them financial, uh, financial market terrorist attacks, and they're so easy to see. So it seems to me, though, Bill, that we could, uh, you could almost trade off of this information in a way, perhaps. Uh, but I, I suppose they keep it enough uncertainty involved that it's difficult to do it. But you would think if the gold price was going to be tanked or trashed at a certain time every day that you ought to be able to wait for that moment, go in and buy it and trade it maybe for a couple of hours or so well, again, and sell it. Well, again, it doesn't do it every day. But if, if you've been trading and uh, knowing all the different things that uh, I follow, I pointed out to people of these different patterns, uh, uh, I would think there's no doubt in my mind that certain traders that are very sharp and watch the market all the time and are professionals are doing just that. The gold cartel sets the stage, and, and then they take over from them. And uh, it's, it's, it's blatant. It's been this way, especially since early October when gold is at 1793. I've been doing this, watching this for 14 years, reporting mm-hmm. on it, and I've never seen anything like this when gold started down from then. I, could, I can honestly say, without exaggeration, I could spot them in one of their patterns or one of the things they do every single day since early October. Mm-hmm. Well, and so uh, you're probably right. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of guys, uh, you know, the market traders, the guys that move, you know, tens of millions and hundreds of millions and even billions of dollars around can probably play these things and make huge amounts of money, even though they make a small margin, uh, it's it's not all that small either when you think about it. I'm looking at the chart for gold today. It started like open in London. It was set to trading at 1465 or a little bit under that, and then it tanks down to 1440. I mean that's that's a pretty good decline. Well, that's and if a lot you're of money right- when you have the kind of leverage you have in futures to to make a, on the Comex opening to make in 10 minutes. Yeah, well that's exactly right, and and so uh, and then then you have to wonder to what extent the people actually can take a position and then put some news out on the wires, or can actually start trading and scaring other people out of the market, and make a self fulfilling uh, prophecy, and the market goes down, and they can go back and cover. I suppose that's uh, well, so know, that's they, the theory at least. With, with uh, in uh, I think it was a once in four thousand year event in gold <laughs> in uh, April twelfth and. Fifteenth, they took uh, gold down something like two hundred and thirty-five dollars in in uh, uh, something like uh, forty hours. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's just mind-boggling. No other markets are trading like this, and nobody seems to in the mainstream world, as you were talking about earlier, earlier even seems to raise an eyebrow that why this was happening in gold and silver when you've had all this quantitative easing in Europe and Japan yeah. and the United States. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing the propaganda out there. Well, I suppose, Bill, there are some people, and I think you mentioned um, uh, the fellow you debated with up in uh, BNN, Dennis Gartman, uh, that actually has sort of come around to believing that there is some manipulation in the markets, but he says, so what? Or oh, that's fine. He doesn't care, right? 
Yeah, well, and this is the, the way things are. Nobody cares about manipulations till things blow up. Whether yeah. it's Madoff or Enron or some other financial market scheme, where God has come from is they're manipulating markets. They're not letting free markets flow. And it's disrupting the natural free market uh, forces. And it's liable to lead to chaos in the future uh, in terms of when, when, I mean, people recognize the manipulation of the bond market. Nobody questions that. Yeah. You've got the plunge protection team in the stock market, and almost every, even the mainstream people say a lot of it's because of the Fed easing. Then why the heck do gold and silver collapse on the same news? It's ludicrous. And and, 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 uh, then, and then there's nothing made of it there. by the and, mainstream. And it's going to lead to something down the road, uh, which is going to be sensational eventually for gold and silver because the physical markets are on fire. And it's liable to lead to some kind of chaos in, in the stock markets uh, as time goes by. Uh, Bill, when you talk about the cartel, uh, name some names, if you would. Well, when we started in 1999, we thought it was just the bullion banks with Goldman Sachs. Who my nickname for them then was Hannibal Lecter. And J.P. Morgan, it was Chase Bank, and they merged, and Deutsche Bank was part of it then. And it's changed over time. We had Scotia McConnor, HSBC, Goldman Sachs has disappeared from the act of manipulation. But it's the bullion banks and then various central banks. It's the Fed, the Treasury, uh, the Bank uh, for International Settlements, the Bank of England, and right now a lot of central banks are in on it. And they've made a concerted effort to just bury the gold price, and they have to bury silver with it because they're allied because they want this relative barometer of U.S. market health off the radar screen. With all right. the money they're printing and all that's going on, if gold and silver were flying right now like they should be, everyone would be talking about what they're doing is so inflationary. Right. They shot the messenger. <laughs> so it would also, talking about uh, well, it right it would now. Also just mean, look at the price of it gold. Would, yeah, it, it would also mean, I think, Bill, that people would have to get rid of their dollars and buy gold it would be a choice of gold and silver as money as opposed to the fraudulent stuff that they are creating out of thin air now. That's exactly right. Now, you, you believe, uh, I think you just uh, basically said that you believe that silver is also manipulated just as much, if not more so? Well, I have to because they're both looked as money, uh, and you couldn't have a big dichotomy with gold going one way and silver going the other, so they made a strategic decision a while ago. They would rig both of them. The difference, there is a big difference though right now. The, you know, you can still fight gold around. might be tight in many circles because of what they've done, and physical demand is surging right now all over the world, especially in Asia. But they don't have the above-ground silver that they have in gold. And where they're getting the silver from now to do this, I'm not quite sure. But they are going to run into a situation in silver, uh, which is just going to eventually either blow up on them, or they're going to have to run for the hills so fast uh, I'm still a believer that silver is on its way to $100 an ounce and more. And at some point here, they're just going to hit the wall with what they're doing in the silver market. But uh, we're not there yet. Well, it's certainly, uh, I guess the the issue is that these companies, these bullion banks, these inside players are playing in the paper markets, right? And and how large is the paper markets relative to the physical markets build? You have some, well, I think Jeffrey say, Christian but, uh, talked about that. A guy that we disagree with all the time named Jeff Christian uh, let it loose during a CFTC hearing that a hundred times the volume in London is traded in, in the paper market or in the paper markets versus actual bullion that's traded. I mean, that's, now, that's volume now. But that's just an extraordinary uh, fact, uh, according to Mr. Christian, 
of uh, just how significant the paper market is and how it can move things around in in the very short term. And and uh, the gold cartels knows this. They're the biggest traders in the world. They know how to use these derivative markets, and that's how they, they move things around like they did just this morning. I mean, literally going down $20 in minutes. So, I mean, it just seems crazy, though, that there's such a disconnect between the physical markets and the paper markets. I guess what people, I guess this would come to an end if all of those people on the long side of the market, uh, of the paper markets decided, or not all of them, but a small percentage of them uh, would want to take physical possession, and that would really wreck, a, wreck, the, uh, wreck the game, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And I, you know, I've been noticed this for years, but it just never happens. I mean, there's a May delivery period right now in silver, and if the longs wanted to stay and take delivery, one would just shock the market. And yes, it would, could change everything. But right now, what's happening is the silver market in the retail area is, I mean, there's almost, a lot of places not even available. It's ridiculous. But I, I like it that those are like rifles against the other side, the gold cartels, paper markets, bazookas. I mean, mm-hmm. they just take this thing and bury it. And what they do is then they get some other big people, maybe in some of these ETFs, for example, and say, hey, look how much the Dow's going up every day. Gold's getting killed. I want to get out. Or silver's getting hurt. Get me out of my ETF holdings. Yeah. So they get. I think that that's one of the ways they're getting their supply. Yeah. Well, it must be the case. Uh, certainly, um, you know, people get scared and they, and they sell. Uh, it, it is true. Uh, we're going to actually have... Um, uh, is it next week or the following week? We're going to be talking to um, uh, to Ted Butler uh, as well as Jim Cook about uh, the shortages on the silver market. I think Ted is one that believes that there's massive fraud in that market. Is that right? Uh, I would bet on Ted on that one. Yeah, it is massive yeah. fraud, and it's the concentration of what is going on in silver is ridiculous. I mean, there's been an investigation into J.P. Morgan. For four and a half to five years, four and a half going on five. I mean, what yeah. are they doing? I mean, can't they find out timestamp that get the trades that are timestamped and find out who is doing what, and why, and see how many times they do it over again? There's been yeah. there's been whistleblowers uh, gone to the CFTC, and the latest one would be of interest to your listeners because I was aware of it since last August. The guy who worked for J.P. Morgan. I think it is actually was in a sort of in a bookkeeping accounting area. And he was mm-hmm. so horrified by what was going on, he went to the CFTC with documented information how Morgan's rigging the silver market. They thought they would do something about it. Bottom line, there was a document, documentary being filled, The Secret World of Gold in, in Canada. Well, what happened was the guy got so scared because the CFTC wouldn't do anything, he's moved to China, afraid for his life. People don't know where he is, and he's a serious stuff. And yeah. yet they finally got my friend Andrew McGuire, got this guy to be interviewed for this documentary, which came out a couple of weeks ago, and, and they filmed me for it also. And wouldn't you know it, they, they cut out of what I had to say in this documentary, and they cut out what this whistleblower had to say, who was you know, hiding in China, afraid for his life. And I was, the feedback to me was that, to the, what, what was uh, got on the producer had was the most riveting interview he'd ever had in 30 years and they cut it out who did the document uh, bill who did the documentary brian mckenna for the canadian broadcasting company uh-huh well the canadian so, broadcasting you know, company you know, is very it's, mainstream it's so it'd be related very, right 
Well, it would be very difficult, I would think, for the Canadian Broadcasting Company to come out with something like that because it would go right to the heart of the establishment, wouldn't it? Yes, it would, but you know, it gets back to one of my pet peeves. We don't have a free press. No, I hear of course all not. these right-wing people and conservatives, which was great. I'm a conservative times or a liberal at times too, but they always talk about, well, there's no free press about this, and they won't talk about that. And, and, and all these other issues, they go back and forth, except for really probably one of the most significant issues uh, your listener could ever hear about is what is going on that's wrecking the, the free market system. Why not have he said, she said, have the other side too? Right. But they won't even well, allow that. Just as goes back to BNN. Great free well, Bill, Canada. You, you can't even get on radio or TV. Yeah, Bill, I think, you know, uh, the issue has to do as much as anything uh, with the marginalizing. We do have a free press because you and I are talking about it now. But as long as Jay Taylor's uh, turning hard times into good times is not anything really too substantial, they'll let us get away with it. Um, well, well, Bill, um, so the, I think this is the issue. I mean, you've been doing what you can. Uh, lots of people doing what they can. James Turk is fantastic. There's lots of people. I think, uh, you know, you've got some people that are doing some things on the Internet for sure. Uh, Russian television, RT, I think, comes out with some good things. But, of course, they are marginalized because they're Russian television. It's just, you know, it's just uh, considered to be a propaganda. You know, the whole notion that they have us in America believing that our press is free, that we are truthful and honest, and we don't have any propaganda. It's just the truth. You know, Bill, I had to take, I find it, I had, here's a question for you. Why did Bitcoin skyrocket and gold not after Cyprus? Well, uh, I think uh, it begs the question in a way because, and I'm not too into the Bitcoin issue, but basically uh, the regulators are not, uh, have not figured out what to do with that yet. <laughs> yeah. But gold and it was last because this is just part of their their price suppression scheme. And plus, if Bitcoin goes nuts, I mean, it's 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 not looked as the same way as 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 the gold prices. I mean, what happens every time the price of gold really takes off? They talk about a crisis. It's bad for the dollar. It could be bad for interest rates. Bad for uh, inflation. Bad for the markets. It's bad for the money and power people. Gold. Yeah. I mean, it's a gold is really. It's a tiny market, but it's a big deal, and everybody knows what the price is. Well, here, here's the thing, Bill. Uh, Bitcoin, as you say, they haven't figured out what to do with it yet, and I agree that gold is much more important than Bitcoin. But Bitcoin was giving people in Cyprus a way to get to preserve their wealth from the theft of the governments and the international institutions. And the Financial Times today talks about Bitcoin viral currency on the radar of real-time U.S. regulators. And there's a quote here from a guy from the CFTC, uh, Bart Chilton. He says, and I quote, uh, we need to ensure that we protect markets and consumers even in what at first blush appears to be out there transactions, end of quote. Well, how well has the CFTC protected consumers and market participants now, Bill? Oh, you know, Bart's a big disappointment. I like him. I've met him a few times, and he helped us out at our CFTC hearing by letting uh, our whistleblowers uh, information get into the hearing, and, and I actually like him, but uh -huh. I'm getting tired of Bart's uh, talking about what are they going to be doing when we've handed them information on silver over and over again, and on also the gold market, uh, sent them all kinds of stuff, and they just do nothing. Uh, it's sort of sick because the problem is, part of it is the government's behind this. 
That's one of the reasons they can't do anything. It's the government doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, I mean, that's if if you got the the Federal Reserve uh, that really wants to, you know. Well, we talked to Ed Griffin to start this show back in March of two thousand nine, and Ed talked to us about uh, the real purpose of the Federal Reserve. It's not what they claim it is. It's not to. Uh, if it were, they would be. You know, they would have to say they're a complete failure. Full employment and price, uh, you know, and price stability is a lot of baloney, obviously. But if you dig beneath the surface and realize what the real re- reason of the Federal Reserve is, it is more than anything to try to uh, to control uh, wealth and to control the monetary system in favor of what we've seen uh, privatization uh, of profits and socialization of risk has just been proven through the uh, the bailouts I think through post Lehman Brothers bill where uh, just a few more minutes tell our listeners uh, where they can hook up with GATA and um, La Metropole what where can they well, go I to do La Metropole Cafe uh, com. People can sign up for a two-week free trial, see if uh, what we put out, what I put out is a value. And then as far as GATA goes, they go to GATA.org. My colleague Chris Powell uh, puts out stuff all the time and uh, does a great job and uh, is a newspaper editor himself and yeah, excellent. Chris has done an excellent job. You got a lot of contributing uh, people writing a lot of articles there every day. Bill, we are out of time. Um, we could go on and on with this, no doubt about it. I've got pages of questions. We'll get you back again sometime in the near future. Thanks, Jake. Look forward to seeing Thanks. you in Vancouver. Likewise, I'll see you then, Bill. Take care, folks. Don't Bye-bye. go away. We're going to be we're going to be right back um, with uh, Todd Wood, and you're not going to want to miss what Todd has to say. Uh, about the issue of big banks too big to fail and also some very interesting things he has to say about gold as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Todd Wood. Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-ranked gold mining region. Sandgold's most recent gold discovery, the Shoreline Basalt Mining Unit, is already in production at more than 75,000 ounces per year. And Sandgold continues to pursue nearby targets within one of Manitoba's most prospective gold mining trends, the Rice Lake Gold Belt. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol is SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www.sandgold.ca.